Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Connor. I am the ministry trainee here. If we haven't chatted in a while, or if I haven't met you before, please do come up and talk to me after the service. Let's ask for God's help as we approach His Word, shall we? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. You give it to us to nourish us and sustain us, Lord. Pray that your spirit would fill this room and soften all of our hearts. God, would help me as I speak to convict us and conform us to the image of your Son. Amen. Amen. Family trips. We all love them. They're great for bonding and what I like to call impulsive emotional vulnerability. <laughs> becomes even more entertaining when you come to have a step-parent and step-siblings as the extra-familiar circumstances ooze into the emotional cracks of teens, preteens, and their parents. And if you're lucky enough, those circumstances and vulnerability can result in your stepsister wandering off into a national park on what was and turned into a very lovely evening. And the cherry on top, the pinnacle of all family trips, is the blessing of having to witness an emergency family meeting. <laughs> and here in this passage, we find ourselves sandwiched in the middle of an exceptionally entertaining family trip. But what undergirds this family trip is confronting past sin, receiving reconciliation, and ultimately finding the favor of God. You see, Jacob ran from Esau, and he ran from Laban. Laban caught up, and Esau is finally here. Jacob cannot run anymore. And we're about to see the favor of God unfold. Are there things you've done? Are there areas in your life where you've run from? Do you think you can experience the favor of God in those areas? You see, Jacob has yet to confront his brother for his awful behavior more than 20 years ago. And he's afraid. He has done awful things and pours out his heart to God in the previous chapter. At the end, he wrestles with God, and the sun finally rises on Jacob for the first time since it last set in chapter 28. God is about to manifest his extraordinary favor to Jacob through his brother of all people. But as we'll see, Jacob is hesitant to receive it and seems to not fully trust it. Through this, we may come to discover some areas in our lives where God shows us his favor. So first, God's favor is extraordinary. God's favor is extraordinary. Verses 1 to 7. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau, coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, the two female servants. He put the female servants, their children in front, Leah and her children next to him, finally Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. This is such a good setup for God's favor. These details soon magnify what is to be done. You see, the last time Esau speaks in Genesis is in chapter 7, chapter 27, verse 41, which says Esau held a grudge against Jacob. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, and I will kill my brother Jacob. Esau wanted to kill him? Why would Esau bring 400 of his men with him? Surely Esau wants to kill Jacob. Jacob is terrified, and rightly so. 
But this arrangement isn't healthy for the family. Jacob is creating so much strife. He's in full-on panic mode. He's not thinking straight. But Jacob didn't need to do this. After all, God has chosen Jacob to be the one who he blesses the world through. Look what happens next. Verses 4 to 7. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you? He asked. Jacob answered, They are the children God has graciously given your servants. Then the female servants and, and their children approach and bow down and lay at her children next, and then Joseph and Rachel, finally. Jacob deceived his father and snatched Esau's blessing. Esau's hatred is justified. And after all, Jacob still thought that Esau was consumed by hatred. He hasn't seen him for 20 years. Esau arrives with 400 men, but what do we see? We see Esau run to his brother, embrace him. There is hugging, kissing, and weeping. Where did all the hatred go? He shows genuine concern for Jacob by asking about his family. Jacob is spared and his family is safe. You see, in Esau's embrace of Jacob, we see a beautiful image of God's favor. For the last 20 years, God has been softening Esau's heart. And Jacob is stunned. God came through and he answered Jacob's prayer. Jacob is completely unworthy to receive this from Esau, but God is gracious and extends his favor yet again. I wonder if anyone has noticed in verse 4 the parallel to Luke 15 and the lost son. I'll start by reading Luke 15, verse 17. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. You see, the youngest son went out and squandered all his wealth and inheritance. He's unworthy to receive his favor. He does not deserve it, and he knows it. And Jacob is just as unworthy. But Esau has compassion for him. Esau runs to him, loves him just as the father loves his irresponsible son. And God does the same for us in Jesus. We do not deserve the gift of his son. We are the ones who put him on the cross, after all. We do not deserve the gift of eternal life. We do not deserve his grace his favor and compassion. But God, out of his mercy, gives it to us anyway. Where do you receive God's favor in your life, and how do you show that favor to others? I guess the first step is recognizing that we ourselves are unworthy to receive God's favor. The fact that we are here now, listening to his word be preached, is his favor. But, Experiencing God's grace and favor is not limited to his people. 
Notice how Esau is not one of God's chosen people. Esau is an outsider, blessing an insider. Where else do we see this? Take, for example, Cyrus, king of Persia, where in Ezra 1 we're told that the Lord moved the hearts of Cyrus to send the Israelites back to Jerusalem to build the temple. The Israelites did not deserve this. They disobeyed God, yet God extended his favor through Cyrus. This is the last place they were expecting any of God's grace. To Jacob, this was the last place where he was to see God's extraordinary favor. So where are the places you are most unlikely to be given favor in your life? In your job? How about at home? Maybe with your friends? A relationship that's on the rocks? Where are you most unlikely to see God's favor? Ask God to show you those areas and review his favor to you because oftentimes it is in those areas where God is willing to manifest his favor in extraordinary ways. Additionally, how can we be like Esau in this passage? How can we show God's favor to those who don't deserve it? The culture we inhabit exhibits a profound intolerance towards grace. I think we can be susceptible to that. Who in your life do you think is unworthy to receive any of the grace and favor of Jesus? No one. As Christians, we are the recipients of the unmerited favor of God in Jesus Christ, and it is our duty as disciples to manifest that to everybody we encounter. So God uses whoever he wants, in whatever way he wants, to display his extraordinary favor. God's favor truly is extraordinary. Second, be humble enough to receive God's favor. Be humble enough to receive it. Verses 8 to 15. Esau asked, what's the meaning of all these flocks and herds on it? To find favor in your eyes, my lord, he said. But Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, said Jacob, if I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God, now that you have received me favorably. Please accept the present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me, and I have all that I need. Because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted. So this is round one. The flocks did nothing to change Esau's heart. Esau's heart was already changed by God. But Jacob is having a hard time accepting that. So Jacob wants to earn the favor. He's not humble enough to receive it. He says that seeing Esau is like seeing the face of God. Funny enough, the evening prior, Jacob actually wrestles with God and saw God face to face. And here again, he is seeing God in the face of his brother. But Jacob cannot connect the dots. Esau's favor is God's favor. And God is using Esau to dispense his extraordinary favor to Jacob. This, this is quite ironic. Esau has received Jacob favorably, and by extension, God has received Jacob favorably. But it seems, all this talk about favor, Jacob refuses to receive Esau favorably. Does this mean he refuses to receive God's favor as well? 
Jacob cannot receive Esau favorably unless Esau does what Jacob wants him to do. In this scenario, Jacob doesn't want to be given favor. He feels he needs to earn it. But he already has it. <laughs> Jacob cannot earn the favor that his brother has for him. There is nothing he can do. Jacob can't accept this. So what does round two show us? Verses 12 to 15. Then Esau said, let us be on our way. I'll accompany you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are tender and that I must care for the ewes and cows that are nursing their young. If they are driven hard, just one day, all the animals will die. So let my Lord go on ahead of the servants while I move along slowly at the pace of the flocks and herds before me and the pace of the children until I come to my Lord and see Esau said, then let me leave some of my men with you. But why do that? Jacob asked. Just let me find favor in the eyes of my Lord. You know, at this point, I think we need to feel sorry for Esau. He runs, embraces, and kisses his brother. Offers to accompany him. Gives Offers to give his herds back. But Jacob rejects everything that Esau offers. We might think Jacob initially accepts that embrace, but these words here suggest otherwise. Notice, too, how Jacob refers to Esau as his lord and refers to himself as his brother's servant. Esau doesn't want that. He doesn't care about that. So Esau was rejected. He decides to offer up 400 of his men. That sounds like a good idea, right? Surely Jacob will accept this offer. Nope. We might ask if Jacob truly desires Esau's favor. Does he want to be reconciled to his brother? Does he want God's favor? He doesn't seem humble enough to receive either. But Jacob knows that he is unworthy to receive what Esau shows him. Yet he thinks that by giving these gifts, he may somehow be seen as worthy. There is nothing that Jacob can do to earn his brother's favor or God's favor, for that matter. The favor is simply given to him. But I wonder if we find ourselves behaving like Jacob more often than we recognize. Do you ever feel like you need to earn favor with a friend? Maybe a family member? Your spouse? Your colleagues at work? another brother or sister in the Lord? What do you do for others that you think will earn favor in their eyes? One example could be promotion at work or a new job. Maybe you need to work extra hard to demonstrate that you have earned this position, that you have earned the new job, that you are worthy to have received it. Or what is your response if you've wronged a neighbor and they come to realize it? Isn't our nat natural inclination to want to do something to earn favor in their eyes? You might think there needs to be something I can do to make up for it. There must be something I can do to earn favor in your eyes again. After you've wronged someone, how quickly might we go to do something to prove to them that we're worthy to receive their forgiveness? Sometimes the sins against our neighbors 
are so great that we cannot do or say anything to prove how sorry we are. Nothing that we can do or say before God can earn favor in His eyes. Sometimes you need to be, you need to humbly acknowledge your sin, apologize, receive the forgiveness and favor, and be restored to both your neighbor and to God. Don't think you can earn it. It is internable. Jesus' death is the cost. And our lives would not nearly be worth enough. God simply, God's favor is simply offered and given to us. You need to be humble enough to receive it. And thirdly, lastly, continue to trust in God's favor. Continue to trust in God's favor. Verses 16 to 20. So that day Esau started on his way back to Seir. Jacob, however, went to Sukkoth, where he built a place for himself and made shelters for his livestock. That is why the place is called Sukkoth. After Jacob came from Padamaran, he arrived safely at the city of Shechem in Canaan and camped within sight of the city. For a hundred pieces of silver he bought from the sons of Homer, the fathers of Shechem, the plot of ground where he pitched his tent. There he set up an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. Now, Jacob doesn't follow Esau. Jacob goes a completely different way. And he is going this way because back in chapter 31, verse 13, the angel of the Lord tells him to go back to his father's land, to his native country. So he crosses the Jordan River over and goes down, whereas Esau goes back down east of the Red Sea where he came. However, did you catch what Jacob said back in verse 14? He says to Esau, until I come to my Lord and see it. You might say, well, he could still be on his way to see it, right? But as you look ahead in Jacob's narrative, we're not given any indication that he even went to see it. Additionally, he wasn't told to go to see it. So why did he say this? Could it be that he does not trust Esau? Could it be that he does not believe in the favor that Esau has just shown him? He went to Shechem and built an altar to God. The phrase El Elohe Israel can mean mighty is the God of Israel. You see, Jacob seems to recognize that God was active in some way in this confrontation. But is this as far as it goes? Now, we aren't told how long he had pitched his tent there, but he dwelled among the Shechemites. And he dwelled there long enough for the events of chapter 34 to occur. He could have been honest with his brother. He didn't need to lie. But instead, he deceived his brother again. He still doesn't trust his brother. Does Jacob truly believe that Esau has received him favorably? Does Jacob believe that God has shown him favor? We're stuck in this tension. Jacob recognizes that God was with him, but rejects the favor that God shows him through his brother. And he is dishonest right to his brother's face. Has Jacob learned anything? But don't we act the same way? Are we not so much like Jacob? So often, 
Aren't we all struck by God's favor towards us sometimes when he does the borderline unthinkable? We praise him, give him glory, acknowledge that he was present. And we find it difficult to trust and believe in him so quickly again. When we're confronted with the next big trial he providentially sends us, we act like Jacob. We pour our hearts out and wrestle with him in one moment, and then the next we're off, not trusting in him anymore, waiting to do things our own way, acting rash and hasty, not waiting for God's promises to come through. And then in the blink of an eye, we can be off on our own way towards sin, rejecting or even missing the favor that God can show us along the way. He will hold you fast. So continue to trust in his mercy and forgiveness. Continue to trust in his love and faithfulness. Continue to trust in his favor. In January of 2016, when I was around 18, actually though I was 18, I wasn't around 18, I found myself tangled up in some sin. And in the midst of all this, I wound up saying something about someone that I shouldn't have. And this someone was a good friend of mine. She was a year younger than me and a faithful sister in the Lord. So what I said wound up getting back to her. Now I did apologize, but I knew that this apology was not going to mean anything. It wasn't going to mend anything. I also knew that nothing I did would fix it. The look on her face day after day made that very clear. And needless to say, the next five to six weeks were a nightmare to live through. I wanted to run. I wanted to escape it all. I did not enjoy waking up. I did not enjoy going to school those weeks. And I didn't like being reminded of my sin towards a sister. And it was not until a weekend away, at the beginning of March, that she forgave me. Now, in the moment when she told me she had forgiven me, I I knew God's grace and favor was far beyond anything I could comprehend. It was utterly extraordinary. I did not deserve the forgiveness that she gave me. I did not deserve the favor that God showed me through that forgiveness. I was humble enough to recognize that I could not do anything to make up for it. I had to swallow that pride pill and take it. And it brought me to a place where I could finally believe in the grace and favor of God and finally begin to see it with my own eyes in my life. I could truly begin to see the depth of sin that Jesus' blood atones for. God's extraordinary favor is displayed in Esau, but is most clearly displayed in Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension. So let us not be like Jacob. We need to humbly recognize that we are unworthy to receive such a gift as Jesus. We are unworthy to receive the favor of his forgiveness through the Son. And we need to continually trust that God's grace pervades the lives of those who love him. So that we can continue to see 
the extraordinary favor of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and the truths buried within it. Thank you for your favor towards us, God. Thank you that you extend it to us day after day when we live and breathe. God, thank you for your son and the favor you show us through him. God, and help us to see your favor for us in our lives. Help us to extend the same favor that we see to others who do not deserve it, Lord. Also, all for your glory and your kingdom. Amen.